Uh, yes, this is Obi-Wan. Uh, and today on the Outer Twilight, uh, Mike and AJ are talking about me. And it's been a while since I've been around, so I am trying to remember my trademark line. Um, what is it again? My catchphrase. Um, no, that's not right. What, what, what is it? Uh, uh, um, uh, greetings. No, that's not it either. Uh, good news, everyone. No, that's not it either. Uh, oh, I remember. Hello there. Welcome to episode nine, the Obi-Wan about Kenobi. This is a podcast where we geek out on the shows, movies, and stories that fire our imagination and inspire us to tell our own stories. We love nothing more than discussing what makes these ideas work, or not work, as the case may be, and sharing some ideas of our own. Now, we believe there are no bad ideas, only ideas from a galaxy far, far away. I'm AJ. I'm Michael. And you've entered... The Outer Twilight. So today we are talking, we're talking a bit about our reason for talking is the Obi-Wan Kenobi miniseries. Is that what they call it? No, I guess it's limited not. series, I think is what they address. Limited it series. Six part limited series. Yeah. But more than that, we're kind of talking about Star Wars kind of moving forward. Not so much what has been. That's a, that's a much bigger topic, but kind of where Star Wars is at and kind of what this tells us about Star Wars moving forward and the fact that Star Wars is just fun to talk about. Yeah, it is. I mean, I, yeah, I, I could talk Star Wars all day about and Well, I mean, Star Wars has gotten so big that it's really hard to, I mean, you, you could talk about multiple topics within Star Wars, right? So, but uh, I think the idea of looking forward and seeing, you know, wondering what is coming and yeah, I, I think it's a good idea to talk about it. I mean, I really, I really loved Obi-Wan Kenobi. I thought it was a great series. It was everything I hoped it would be. Um, what did you think of it? I, I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a lot. I liked the characterization. I liked his character arc. Um, <laughs> I, that there were multiple characters that had, you know, kind of a beginning middle end to them uh some of the new characters i really enjoyed and um no this the story was self-contained and and we got to see prime vader and i mm. think that was uh also a big draw for it but uh well, and realistically yeah, I, we saw prime obi-wan as well so uh so do we want to set some boundaries to our discussion are we going to spoil the heck out of this? I think so. It's over now. And yeah, I think it's important to just talk about, because I mean, the arc between Obi-Wan and, and Vader, for example, I don't know how we don't talk about it without spoiling it. So um, yeah. I think it's just, you know, if you haven't seen Kenobi or finished Kenobi, maybe finish it before you listen to the episode. But presuming you're as big a Star Wars nerd as we are, you've probably already already finished it. Um, yeah, so I, I, I think that we need to kind of 
well, not take the gloves off, so to speak. I mean, I did, I really enjoyed it. I wasn't, I guess, sure what to expect going in, which was what was really cool about it. I was very excited to know that Ewan McGregor was coming back when they announced mm. that Hayden Christensen was coming back as Vader. That was like, that, that kind of blew my mind a little bit. Um, and I, I really was not sure what to expect. What about you going in? What, like, what were your thoughts going into the show? Well, it's interesting. I, I think that's kind of a part of a bigger conversation for me because um, when you look at the streaming shows that Star Wars has had, um, well, even back up from there. So my wife is the Star Wars fan. Not that I'm not a Star Wars right. fan, but it's not the same as like Marvel is for me. So if an MCU movie comes out or a series, I want to see it as soon as possible. Um, Star Wars, right. I still haven't seen episode nine. I still haven't gotten around okay. to seeing the rise of Skywalker. Uh, my wife went opening weekend with, with Jesse, our oldest. Um, of course it was a present from him, but, um, I still haven't gotten around to seeing it. So like Mandalorian, I've seen the first couple episodes. Um, I haven't seen any of book of Boba Fett. Um, you know, I eventually got around to like solo, um, Rogue One, I was kind of excited to see. So it's not that I wasn't excited to see these things. It's just, it's not a, oh, what did they used to call that back in the day? <laughs> Appointment viewing for me. Right. Okay. Gotcha. Now we had talked that we were going to talk about Obi-Wan. And so that gave me the impetus I needed to, okay, going to make this happen. And I really enjoyed it. Um, I enjoyed the, and I, and I enjoyed in particular the weekly being able to sit down and watch a new episode. Now I watched it hmm. with Sharon. We waited a little bit before we got started. And then once we did, it was just like, okay, devour them. And it was mostly um, like, I wanted to see the next one, but Sharon was like the one it's like one o'clock at night. And like, let's watch another one. It's like, okay, we can do it. And then the next day, <laughs> let's watch another one. It's getting, no, I need to get some sleep, but uh <laughs> Yeah. Um, so for us, it's it, uh, Kenobi. Well, but Star Wars generally, the Star Wars shows, Mandalorian and, and Book of Boba Fett, that's been sort of family appointment viewing for us, right? That's We kind of have a few shows that we watch. Um, personally, I've always been big into Star Wars. I didn't, um, I, I like going back, I remember when the first book, official book trilogy, so the first book of the expanded universe came out, the Timothy's on trilogy. I read all of those um, during class at school. Um, and, <laughs> but uh, I really loved those. Um, and then, so, I, and then I kind of kept up. So I was one of those that was kind of disappointed when the sort of expanded stuff was then called, it's now called star Wars legends, which right. means that it's basically a different continuity. Um, and then the continuity that exists is everything that Disney has done is considered uh canon, canon now right and th and then they have official canon books as well um that are officially licensed so and comics and all that that kind of stuff i find myself feeling frustrated as a fan as a star wars fan i'm frustrated by star wars fandom i don't know about you mm -hmm. but i i find i kind of suspect the more of a fan you are like myself who's actually just kind of you know i don't expect them to bat a thousand um, and I'm generally pretty forgiving uh, with the stuff, but 
Uh, I mean, I wasn't a giant fan of the sequels, but I thought they were okay. I was entertained. I thought they were decent stories. My kids loved them, which has a big influence on me. Um, you know, if I see my kids excited, I'm probably going to enjoy it too. Um, but there's so many fans that seem to feel like they have an ownership of Star Wars that they don't have. <laughs> it's right. not their stories to tell. Um, they, they'd like to see lots of other things. And yet, no matter what is put out, they seem to find something wrong with it. Um, specifically in terms of Obi-Wan Kenobi, I thought the series managed to fit itself in like it's a very form fitting series, I guess you could say like it's, you know, between this, you know, between the prequels and the original trilogy, you kind of really get a sense of what Obi-Wan was up to. And it's, I think for me, what I found surprising, it's not really a question I ever asked, you know, right. <laughs> After, I never found myself going, what was Obi-Wan up to? Um, and yet, when the series idea came out, I was like, oh, that would be really cool. I have no idea what they're going to do, but I would really love to know what's going to happen. Um, right. Well, yeah. and, and it's, it's a difficult proposition. And, and the prequels, the prequel movies found this as well. And, and I think all these things that are happening, you know, in continuity, they struggle with this is that. So with Obi-Wan, you have, okay. Princess Leia is kidnapped and, but we know, we know she's going to make it out. We know that Vader is going to make it out. We know that Obi-Wan's going to make it out. Um, now, basically everyone else is almost like a red shirt to borrow from another franchise. Um, <laughs> well, you know, yeah. they're fair game. Um, but you know, then that's where then, okay. Then there's the comic books and, uh, you know, and that takes some of, takes some of that tension away. And so it's not the tension necessarily for the invested fan that needs to move them forward, but it needs to be a story well told and, and more the, right. the character journey and, you know, how did, you know, how did Obi-Wan get from point A to point B? So, so for me, like, and, and that's what I enjoyed. And I thought they did that well, because um, yeah. when we meet Obi-Wan, he's just putting in time, kind of giving up broken, defeated. He's lost faith in people, um, in the universe and, and literally his big moment where is when he regains his faith in people through Leia, Leia primarily, and mm -hmm. gets his reconnected to the force and becomes far more powerful than, you know, he ever was in the prequel series type of thing. And, um, you know, so it, it's great to see that, you know, he's still Obi-Wan. He's still going to be, um, of course, my biggest takeaway is all the memes, um, that I'm seeing <laughs> is like, you know, Obi-Wan now, Obi-Wan 10 years from now when it's played by Alex Guinness. And it's like, you know, whoa, those must've been a brutal 10 years for, uh, Obi-Wan <laughs> to go. Well, from when that you're living that. in a desert world, um, well, especially considering he doesn't look like if you looked, it's been 10 years since. The end of the prequels right and he looks same ish, same -ish right yeah. and then it, and only eight years to win it's only eight years to when a new hope happens and it's like dang you know <laughs> but i mean i think that's one of those areas though for me where i'm like you know when to me as a viewer also as someone who likes to write stories and make things up 
I think that when you're dealing with a visual medium, you do have to allow, like, you can't just go, oh, it pulls me out of the film when a different act, like if the, the it's recast, for example, um, although this isn't really a recasting exactly. Uh, I mean, really, you uh, and McGregor has played Obi-Wan more than Alec Guinness ever did. Yeah. Um, and so, like, I'm willing to just accept that it's the same character. Because I feel like it's really nitpicky to to be, you know, well, it was Alec Guinness in the first one. And, you know, he had totally white hair. Um, and speaking as someone who's gone more and more bald every year, I know it's possible to go more and more white every year, too. Uh, <laughs> so to me, that doesn't seem like much of a stretch. Some guys, they just hit that stride and boom, there, you know, that's it. Um, so I think for me, what I really like, and it's you brought up a good point about the, the one of the criticisms I read was sort of the lack of stakes. But I also think it's a good illustration of some of my frustration where the criticism is like, well, there's no tension because, you know, everybody's going to live. But then there is all this whining about Reva and the time that Reva got um, as a as a new character. Right. Um, and then there was the the woman who was sort of a double agent. Tala. can't remember her name right now. Tala. Tala. Sorry. Tala. Tala. Yeah, so like, you know, there was her, and I, I appreciated both of those characters for what they were. I, I do agree that Reva was a little bit on the muddy side in terms of like, didn't really, you know, the whole idea she became a, a an inquisitor in order to get close to Vader, but had already, I mean, she must have killed Jedi to get to the place where she was. So there's a bit of like moral conundrum there. Uh, and it, it was almost taken advantage of that because those things happened off screen as a viewer, as a, you know, a, a person participating in the story. We don't really think about that. Um, and then they really amped up the emotional impact of knowing that she knew Anakin was Vader because of yada, yada, yada. Right. It, it makes me wonder with that in particular, that Vader knew all along not just the most recent that she was out to get him, but that yeah. he was using her right from the beginning to get to Obi-Wan that he fought yeah. the way, the way that the emperor used Anakin and manipulated him to turn him to the dark side. And he ultimately did fall. Um, that I wonder mm -hmm. if, you know, he knew all along and used that to mm -hmm. manipulate her, to push her forward, to push her forward you know, basically as his, you know, pet to go after Obi-Wan and to do all that legwork for yeah. him, you know, cause he's got an empire yeah. to run, but I don't know, but it, yeah. it, it isn't explicit there. And, um, you know, could it be like, I think there were a lot of points, like I found, uh, both Sharon and I were really confused. Um, I think that's episode three when, uh, Vader comes down to the planet and uh the tunnels and then is it reva or reva whatever reva reva yeah. she finds the tunnel and then tala's going back you know and so they you know would have crossed paths except all of a sudden you know reva's at the end point where to get leia and tala happens and finds obi-wan and obviously never cross paths type of thing um, mm -hmm. 
you know, and it seems like, okay, there was a step missing there. And I don't know. And I suppose part of that is like, I just read right before we met that uh, headline about the, not the screenwriter, but I guess the guy who came up with the original concept for Obi-Wan that it was imagined as a trilogy, a movie trilogy. And then after solo, they decided they weren't going to do any more standalone films or whatever. And so they reworked it into this, into a series. And so things get left and things get reworked. And I suppose that, you know, helps to explain part of it, but you know, overall I didn't have problems with it. It was what it was. Um, Yep. I mean, certainly in terms of continuity and storytelling, it's up there with some of the best Star Wars movies. Like, I think that, I mean, and we've mentioned before, I think that, you know, <laughs> Lucas is a very good idea, man. Not great on the dialogue, not great on the direction. Um, so when I looked at this, I thought there was a lot of really awesome creative decisions that were made in the process of making this. Um, Deborah Chow, I thought, did a fantastic job. I mean, she directed all six episodes as well, which gave it a great sense of continuity. Um, I found there were some jarring things like uh, Zach Braff's like Mole Man character. Mm. It's always funny when they do some sort of stunt casting in the background and it kind of pulls you out of the story a little bit because you're like, I know that voice. Where do I know that voice from? You know, and we thought it was Seth Rogen at first, but it's it's funny because you're watching the show and you're trying to be into it. But then you have this sort of it, it just kind of pulls you out a bit. For me, by far, the standout character, though, in the series was young Leia. I mean, the the young actress they got to play her was fantastic. Oh, I mean, yeah. that's a tough that's a tough role to sell, but she did such an amazing job of being like sassy and like you totally totally believe that this is the kid that grows up to be Princess Leia. Um I think the only thing that we kind of had a hard time wrapping our head around and it's funny because as a parent I know, I'm sure you know too, is that your kids do kind of go through sudden changes where, you know, a couple of years ago they seemed so little and then they, they suddenly shoot up, you know, and it felt to me a bit of like, wait, she's supposed to be 10. And then like, so when we meet her in a new hope, it's only eight years after this. Right. So there was a bit of like, and that's even accurate because Carrie Fisher was 18 when she played the role. So there, the, 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 and the actress that played Leia was, is 12. So she's actually older. (laughs) So it was kind of like, yeah, no, it's believable. It's just a weird, it's, it's a funny thing, but she did such a great job. Her inflection, her attitude, her compassion, like you can tell that she has genuine affection for Obi-Wan, that she trusts him, um, that she respects him because he's a Jedi. Uh, There was so many, great elements to that and i mean it really the scene i I found the most poignant and which is saying something in amidst all the fighting and the you know the lightsaber battles and stuff was right at at that quiet moment at the end where obi-wan kneels down and says you know i told you that i didn't know your parents but i lied and then he you know he says that he lies but then he goes on to say like these are the qualities that i see in you that your parents had and you can see how much more at peace he is with Vader um, and what happened between him and Anakin and, and subsequently Vader that he's able to, you know, he's able to say, when I knew Anakin, these are the things I liked. 
And, you know, it, it was very touching. And the, both of those actors, you know, the young girl included, they, they sold that scene really well. You know, I almost had tears in my eyes because, you know, Obi-Wan's been through such an incredible emotional experience. And then it's, you know, she's able to react to that. Well, and I, th- I think like similarly for me, um, the moment was, I think it's when they're on the ship after they've escaped, um, Jabin or whatever. And, mm-hmm. uh, after Vader rips apart the decoy ship and, you know, and he's just feeling, you know, whatever lost, defeated, worried. And she reaches out to hold his hand. I think that was the moment. Mm-hmm. And, um, just that, that connection. So that when, mm-hmm. when we see the scene where <laughs> ironically, Anakin finally has the high ground. And what does he do? He throws the high ground down on, on Obi-Wan. <laughs> you never learn. But when but Obi-Wan yeah. makes that connection that, you know, she brought him back and that she, that connection that she created with him, and yeah. it's earned. And, and it's like, yeah. it's honestly earned. And we believe that, yes, she has restored his faith in, in people and, and by extension, the force and reconnected his connection to the force so that when he comes out of that, you know, you know, a hundred fold more powerful, we believe it because of the work that the characters did leading up to that. Yeah. You know, and there's other characters that play a role in that, like, um, Tala and her sacrifice and, you know, and, and the faith that she showed in what they were doing, Roken, his belief in, you know, the, the starting points of the rebellion, um, you know, even the droid who, you know, sacrifices itself to give Tala those last moments. Um, and, uh, Oh, who's the other character? Um, Oh, even Haja, you know, the, the fake Jedi who gives up a life of comfort to put himself in danger. And, um, you know, all these things that, so when he makes that turn, it's probably one of the most earned um, turns where, you know, if it wasn't earned, then it feels like, oh, deus ex machina. He, you know, all of a sudden he gets his powers back and he's twice as powerful when he needs to be. But no, this really felt like they put the work in and it was, and it was legitimate. And I could believe that, yeah, he's probably more powerful than Vader at that moment. Yeah. And I think the, I think the other side of that is too, is that they really did work up that, Obi-Wan was dealing with a lot of guilt for who Vader became. And so when they do have that final duel, you know, well, and plus Vader is absolutely cruel to him, you know, when they have their first battle and Obi-Wan is sort of hedging his bets because he still sees Anakin in there. And, you know, Vader just takes advantage of that and drags him through fire and burns him and is just cruel to him. Um, and throughout, you know, all six episodes, well, from when Vader is introduced, he has that vengeance and he's still blaming Obi-Wan. He's blaming everybody else but himself for the way things turned out, even still. So he's been living with this, you know, whiny attitude that he kind of had in the prequels, you know, um, that eventually led to him being Vader. He's still got that in him. It's just he's been given authority and power. Mm-hmm. And there's a turning point, I think, where in, in Obi-Wan, 
he's sort of trying to, along the way, hopefully save Vader, hopefully get Anakin back. And there is also, you know, that moment when he's seeing how much damage and hurt that Vader has inflicted on people he's come to care about. That it's like, no more. I can't, I will not. Even if I am responsible for this, I will not allow it to continue. Um, you know, and Obi-Wan is willing at that point to put himself on the line to save the people that he cares about and say goodbye to his friend because that we're not at a point where we can work this out anymore, right? right. Um, and I, I think that that was really powerful. Um, that scene where he... Uh, and, and it's funny because a lot of fans were nerding out, you know, like Vader in Return of the Jedi when Luke takes his helmet off, there's a a scar on the one side of his head. Um, and people are kind of geeking out like, that's from this fight. That's That's where that happened, right? But that scene where... And it was brilliant from like every perspective, visual effects, uh, the lighting between the blue and the red lightsabers, uh, the helmet being cut in just such a way that you can see Hayden Christensen under there, but you also see the Vader mask, the way the his voice went back and forth between Anakin and Vader. You know, it, it's sort of his equipment is breaking down, but it's conveying the dual personality so to speak, of of who Vader is. I thought it was very moving in a certain sense. Um, I think that there's... Uh, I, I don't want to get too far ahead in our conversation. They've been talking about a second season of Obi-Wan. I found myself almost... I would prefer uh, a Darth Vader limited series following that explores his that so kind of the one thing that hasn't been mined in the originals is that Luke continually says I know there's good in him I know there's good in him and really the only evidence that we have for that is that once Luke finds out that Vader's his father it's kind of like I have to save him he's my dad right is really all that comes across but I would love to see a series that kind of works with that duality in him a bit more where you're not making him more sympathetic, but it talks, you know, a series that would talk more about um, who is leading who in that situation. Is it the dark side that is making Anakin who he is? Or is it Anakin's own will that's making him who he is? Does he want to be evil? Or does he feel like he's past the point of no return and he's trying to get out of it? Um, you know, we've certainly seen the evil side. I, my favorite, what like I actually, there are a couple of moments in the series in the season where, like, like when he pulls down that ship and rips the side off of it, mm -hmm. that's like the most powerful use of the force I think we've seen in pretty much any of the movies or series. I don't think I've seen a more a, like just overt like get down here. You're not going anywhere. I'm going to just rip the side off this whole thing. It's kind of like, holy crow, he's really powerful, you know? So. so, okay. Well, let's use that as our kind of move forward. And um, I, I'm sure there's more. We can get into the details of Obi-Wan and stuff like that. But uh, mm -hmm. I think what we want to do with these type of episodes is look at the bigger picture a little bit. So where does Star Wars go now? 
what, so you're saying you you would like to see you know a Vader series where it looks at more like the the man behind the mask and you know the motivations and because we didn't like we saw it but we didn't really see it I felt in um, episode three of the prequels um, you know like we see what's happening and then you know and he makes this really really dark turn and for me like it felt like okay that's a really big leap to go from okay i want to save my dying wife who i have a huge role in the reason why she dies um into killing children right away and you know you could argue okay well once you make go past that point there is no return from that but um right so what else do you want to see and Cause like, like I heard recently, uh, Taika Waititi, you know, with his proposed star Wars film, you know, he was quoted as saying something along the lines of, um, he wants to expand the universe, new characters, new direction, new stuff. He doesn't want to just go back and do more Skywalker stories or more of what there has been. And like, for me, you know, well, yeah, Taika Waititi, definitely. But um, to hear a creator say that, okay, explore different parts of the universe. Like, it's a huge universe and, you know, move forward. But what do you want to see as a fan? And then what do you want to see as a, as a, as a creative? Because I think those are two kind of different things. I think... I would like to see movies that get away from Skywalker and Skywalker adjacent characters. So the Skywalker saga, I feel like has been done and it's sort of the, the anchor that's in my opinion, sort of holding down the, the universe at at that time, right. Is that you've got a fairly limited number of characters that have had this very big storyline. I guess if anything, if they were looking at doing, something on a more grandiose scale again, that they would just, they would tell a different tale from a different part of the universe. Um, that's, you know, different characters, not just archetypes, not just, you know, uh, Oh, this is like Luke, but this is the new Luke, you know? Um, it's interesting to me that with, while the, I had the, and I, I'm not, I realize this is like, you know, terrible to say, but after seeing the fight at the end of Kenobi, between Vader and um, Obi-Wan, I'd almost like to see a remake of the original trilogy. Um, The reasoning being is because like, when you look like after you watch that fight and then it's like, so they have a rematch eight years later and it's kind of like, you know, okay, Doth, I give up, you know, and it's (laughs) like, it sort of doesn't really match. Um, So then from a creative perspective, I would like to see, uh, them experiment a little more with genre. Um, there's there's a lot of humor in Star Wars itself. Um, it the, the the humor in Star Wars has always come across to me as a little bit corny, though. Uh, and it, oddly, I mean, their main sort of fan competition, so to speak, is Star Trek, right? And Star Trek, I mean, Star Trek is arguably stronger now than it literally has ever been in its entire history there's like it's sustaining four five shows 
So there's a kids show, which is Star Trek Prodigy, a kids animated series. Awesome show. Star Trek Lower Decks, sort of animated, you know, uh, sort of grown up animated style series. Totally a comedy about, you know, the, the, the people that work in sort of the depth of the ship. There, you know, there's Star Trek Discovery, which is in the distant future. There's Star Trek Strange New Worlds, which is doing original Trek again. There's Star Trek Picard, that's kind of the uh, revisiting the next generation era and things like that. I would love to see Star Wars start doing more of that. Um, I remember, I don't know if you remember way back in the the early days of the internet, there was a video series that was kind of viral called Troops. Did you ever see Troops? So Troops was like, so Cops was really big, right, on Fox. And so it was like basically these guys that had Stormtrooper uniforms, they went out and filmed little shorts about like, negotiating with Jawas who had just stolen some guy's speeder, right? And it was totally done like cops. So they, you know, documentary style, they come up and they're negotiating with the Jawas, but then a Jawa makes a break for it. And the one shoots the, you know, the one stormtrooper shoots the Jawa and then they have to deal with all the, it was really funny. Um, Stuff like that. I think that, you know, Star Wars is a big universe. It could sustain it. Um, And creatively, I think it would breathe some new life into it. Mandalorian, I think, is a brilliant idea because it does a great job of taking some of what's familiar with something brand new and make something exciting. And it feels like, um, you know, Mandalorian feels like a Western to me, uh, which is great. You know, it's science fiction, totally feels like a Western, has some of the same tropes, same ideas, um, really awesome that way. So I'd like to see it move and I guess this is more general really than anything specific. I just want to see them explore the potential with star Wars a little more than what we've seen thus far. Of course you say that. And one of the pitches that I saw somebody put out there is that they want is they want uh, Billy D Williams, Lando Calrissian in a cantina telling stories. And then each episode, like he sets a, sets the stage and then it's Donald Glover, you know, one of his adventures kind of thing, but, uh, but yeah. And, and to use that to explore different parts of, you know, the other part of the star Wars universe during that time. But that aside, there was a, there, sorry. Well, no, I was just going to say that like, for me, like, yeah, we can keep going back and filling in the gaps and filling in the gaps type of thing. And, And I suppose, you know, maybe that's where, you know, animated series can work and, you know, and maybe the Disney plus series, that's where, you know, you can do the occasional one of something like a story that really needs to be told. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't know. And, and for me, and I, and I found that the Obi-Wan Kenobi series was, you know, in a way it, it is a series that needs to be told. I like the idea of redoing the original trilogy and uh, with Ewan McGregor as, you know, and then maybe changing, changing some things, you know, maybe a, a more conflict and, but at the same time, you know, it's, it's good. And there comes a point where you have to move forward. Now I'm limited in what I could say, because mm-hmm. I haven't seen rise of Skywalker. So I don't know how that ends, but I, my understanding is that everything that's occurring now and is kind of that we know of that's planned is all within the continuity that exists at different points. There's no, and here's what happens after, rise of skywalker 
or here's how the universe moves forward um, from that. The one type of series that I would really love to see is an anthology, um, which would is similar to what you're saying with Lando. But I would I think the problem with the Lando idea ultimately is that it limits it to one perspective, really. Um, there is a, a book series that when they were doing is now in Star Wars Legends as well. But one of my favorite series was um, they had Tales of the Bounty Hunters. They had Tales from Jabba's Palace. Um, and they were short stories written by all kinds of different authors. Ke- you know, Kevin J. Anderson, Timothy Zahn, guys that had worked in Star Wars before, people that hadn't. Um, and they were kind of just stories about either, you know, there was a story about the Rancor Keeper and his Rancor and, there, you know, things like that. I think that would make for a really cool Star Wars series to have like just an anthology, give creators, you know, for one thing, you could get some big stars, you know, like you only have to be in one episode. You can get big writers, big directors, guys that, you know, maybe can't commit the time to a full feature or things like that. But it's like, hey, we'd love you to come in and just do a single episode uh, and tell your little story. Total creative freedom. Do whatever you want with whatever character you want. Uh, in Star Wars uh, or make up something completely new. And, you know, I think it would be, it had would have massive potential, um, but whether we'll ever see that. Well, or not, isn't the, so the Andor series that they're working on or has been, mm-hmm. um, now I read a brief synopsis of it, but it's kind of a lot of the characters that are in Rogue One, kind of what they were doing leading up to Rogue One. Right. It, and it's not mm-hmm. just on Andor, but it's, all the different ones that came together in Rogue One. So, you know, in a sense, that's kind of a, like a mini anthology type of idea. Yeah. And I, I'm, I mean, I'll watch it. I have no doubt that I'll, I'll check it out. I think I'm, it's funny because that show has been in development since even before Disney plus was officially announced. Like they kind of, you know, it's one of the upcoming shows. Right. And so, it almost feels like our memory is a little bit too far gone now uh, in terms of Rogue One, <laughs> right? Rogue One was a great movie. It was fantastic, but it's not really like, it doesn't feel very present, right? It's it's a uh, pre-pandemic and the whole nine yards. Um, so now there's going to be a big part of me that's like, okay, I think the show has to prove to me why it's so important. Well, and again, um, although you're dealing yeah. with the, where does the tension come where, <laughs> with the double bladed lack of tension, because one, you know that they're all going to make it through. Of course, they're all going to die. So <laughs> it's like, uh, why should we care? Well, and I, yeah, I am excited for more K2SO because he's arguably my favorite droid. Uh, or he's definitely, you know, for me, one of my favorite droids. He's voiced by Alan Tudyk as well. But the idea of a reprogrammed Imperial droid that's basically a sociopath, it kind of doesn't really give a crap about anybody, but just sort of like, well, I'm a droid. I have to do what I'm told. So I guess, fine. I won't kill anyone. Fine. <laughs> you know, like he's, he's so good. And I, I would just love to see more of that, that droid. But I mean, I'm willing to give it a shot. It's, if it's a fun story, I'll stick with it. And you know, I, I'm, I hope it is a good story. You know, people put thousands of hours into making these things for us. And I tend to be a little bit reticent to be overly critical because, you know. So I wonder if there'll always be more Star Wars. So I wonder if maybe an exercise for us in the future, not today, because we'll wrap things up here pretty quick, but is let's pretend we pretend that we have the keys, keys to the kingdom and 
you know, we want to establish what the Star Wars universe is going forward. Like I know for me, I would want to look at like what what is the state of the universe kind of established where you have your central thing and kind of you know whether it's the rebuilding of stuff, whether it's like a new republic or whatever. I guess I have to see episode nine now to to be able to prepare. Um and then to be able to move forward, you know, and kind of close the book on the past. Like, yeah, they're telling good stories. Like from what I hear, people really love the Mandalorian um, in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, and I enjoyed Obi-Wan, but uh, kind of want to know what, what you know, there's an opportunity. There's a lot of information. There's a lot of material there to be able to create something. Like I almost look at like what the, uh, you know, episode seven, eight, nine, you know, there was an opportunity to maybe dig more into the new order and how that impacts different parts of, of the universe, of the galaxy and to be able to tell mm-hmm. smaller stories within the largest stories, or even like, is it the ep- end of episode eight where the force se- or is it seven, the force sensitive kid who's, you know, using the broom and, you know, kind of suggesting, Episode eight, last um, Jedi. You know, that yeah. There's more the force reemerging, you know, um, like I would enjoy seeing, you know, like the smaller stories where, you know, like on a single planet where you have all these different star Wars things, but there's Jedi that exist, that they're a part of it. Um, that's not necessarily about mm. Jedi's, but Jedi's exist and it makes it ties it into the star Wars universe. Um, but you know, how many different races have we seen? How many different planets have we seen? You know, tell those stories, get to know those, those races, those, those peoples. Well, I, Star Wars, Star Wars is a bit deceptive in a certain sense because it claims to be, you know, a galaxy, you know, and we always hear about the outer rim and there's all these planets with all of these species. And yet the storytelling, and I, I think this is somewhat what you're getting at, unless I'm mistaken, is that, you know, you see all of these things, but they're really not involved in the overall storytelling. So that the universe is big, the world is big, but the 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 characters and the interactions are relatively small. It takes place within a relatively small group mm-hmm. of people. Within you know, one of the things I liked about the sequels is uh, John Boyega's character Finn is a stormtrooper when it starts right or whatever they're called in the new order i think they're still called stormtroopers um but like you know that he's he's a former stormtrooper basically he rebels he goes awol right and and that's something we had never seen before um and he's kind of and he is himself somewhat of a unique character he's not really han he's not really luke he's got his own insecurities he wants to do the right thing but doesn't feel like he has you know has the right to do that i think that's I want to see more of that where we have characters that aren't uh, rehashing what we've already seen. Okay. Well, let's end it there. And uh, yeah, cause the star Wars discussion can go on forever. Um, I know my biggest wish as a kid was I wanted to see, you know, in a star Wars or in a star Trek episode where they come across the remains of a death star and, you know, have the ultimate crossover. So maybe that's what that's what Star Wars needs in the future is they need a Borg invasion of the Star Wars universe. And so all the bad guys and the good guys have to work together to defeat the Borg. So problem solved. Sign me up. 
once Disney buys Paramount, yeah. then we'll be good. Yeah. Okay. Well, excellent. Thank you for joining us and uh, enjoy. Don't forget to subscribe and thank you for your subscriptions and downloads. It, we appreciate it. And we thank you for giving us some of your time. Mm-hmm.